Let's pray together. God, I'm really grateful that you are here with us. I'm grateful that you are intimately involved in our lives. God, may we be people who seek your will. May we be people who are actively trying to bring your kingdom here. God, may this sermon um, lead us into deeper obedience with you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. So, in a, in a small group, um, about, about a year ago, we were going through the book, Hearing God, by Dallas Willard. And I, I really would encourage anyone to read that book. Now, it was one of those books where I had to reread each chapter two to three times just to try to get a grasp of what Dallas Willard is saying because he writes in a very deep and and meaty style, but in it he tells a story from where he uses um, a scene from the movie Gandhi. And in, in the movie Gandhi, there is, um, Gandhi is walking with a priest in, in South Africa. And at that time, that would have been considered um, something that, that would have not gone over. And so there are four or five young men who are about to come up, and it's pretty obvious there is about to be a confrontation. And about the time that it's clear that like this confrontation is just going to be unavoidable, there's a woman who comes out and kind of tells the boys to go mind their business and go on their way. And so the priest remarks at their, how lucky they were in those circumstances, to which... Gandhi remarks, well, I thought you were a man of God. And to which the priest remarks, I am, but I don't believe that he plans his entire day around me. The point being that the priest did not believe that God is intimately aware of what's going on and that it just happened to be the luck of, of the circumstances. And so Dallas Willard's point in that was that for us to believe that we are able to hear God and to have him communicate with us, we have to believe that God is both intimately aware of what is happening in our life and that he is invested in our very lives, but also that we are capable of hearing God much like people that we would consider almost superheroes of the Old Testament were able to hear God. And today we're going to talk about knowing God's will. Um, We're in the book, uh, Core 52, spending a year long going through, trying to deepen our scriptural understanding. And last week, David talked about radical change. And we were blessed enough to have the priors with us And I would encourage you to keep praying for the priors and keep praying for their village. And next week, 
We are fortunate that we get to have a former youth minister, Josh Haltom, to be able to come back and speak with us uh, next Sunday morning. And I would really encourage you. I, Josh is both a very gifted speaker and we are excited um, to have him come speak. And today we're going to talk about knowing God's will. And for many of us, this idea of that there is an all-powerful, all-knowing God who is both able to communicate what he desires and that we are able to know and to discern his will. If, if, that's not, if you did not grow up in church, that's probably not an idea that you're used to. That we can know what God desires, that we can know what his will is. But I, I believe that for us, it is, it is paramount in us following God to be able to know what God desires of us. Yet so many times it feels like we have trouble discerning what exactly is God's will. Like, what does God desire? And so we can look at scripture and we can look at things that we feel like God desires, like in the Ten Commandments where we can look at the moral implications like do not lie, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not, do not kill, do not murder. And then there are other things that we can discern from scripture like that it was... It is God's desire that none should perish and that he sent his son Jesus into the world and that God desires that humans be reconciled back to him and to be brought into relationship with him. And yet it feels like when we approach a big decision and we're trying to seek God, it can be really difficult to know what is God's will in this situation. Or when something happens and we're trying to figure out, okay, God, this threw me for a loop. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, what do you want for my life in this circumstance? Because this is not the way that I thought things would go. Things are not happening the way that, that I thought they would. Like, what do you want from me here? And a lot of times what we see is that we have God's revelation in Scripture, but then it feels like when we are trying to discern God's will in our circumstances that it can be very, very difficult to figure out, okay, what do you want from me here? What, what is going on in this that you desire from me? Because I, I just... I need to make a big decision and I want to make the right one or maybe it's I'm I'm struggling with my circumstances God please help me out and so we're gonna look at two passages today um, that that I hope will help us with this the first is in Micah chapter 6 the second will be in Romans chapter 12 Micah chapter 6 it'll be on the screen Verses 1 through 8. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up and plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. 
Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent you Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted, and what Balaam, son of Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousand? rivers of olive oil. Shall I offer the firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, this is set up like a court case, and I realize that we know that God is judge. But in, as I can interpret this, in this scenario, God is, God is actually not the judge. Micah is actually playing the part more of the person deciding the case. And then you have God and Israel who are stating cases against one another. Israel has turned their back on God. They are not living by the covenant they established with God. And so God has told them that, that they need to turn from their ways and turn back to him. And so we see God call the mountains as witnesses. And he goes through a very short history of the things that he has done, the, the ways that he has delivered them, the things that he has done to watch over them. And that he has been their God and that he has been with them and he has been steadfast and faithful. And he asks, how have I wronged you? What have I done to you that would cause you to do this? And Israel's response, and it seems very sarcastic to me. And I love a good sarcastic re response, maybe not standing before God Almighty. But I do love a good sarcastic response. And their response is basically, well, okay, well, let's, let's, offer, let's offer a sacrifice. But, you know, if we offer a calf, that's not going to be good enough. You're, you're not going to be pleased enough just because we offered a calf. So what if we offered, like, thousands of goats? Would that do it? I mean, you're obviously, nothing can make you happy. Um, we've... we've done the things that you wanted us to do, these sacrifices and observances, and you're still not happy. So what about a thousand goats? Well, okay, that's not going to do it. So a thousand goats aren't going to work. What if we offered you thousands upon thousands of rivers of oil? Would that do it? No, nothing's going to make you happy. There's nothing we can do to please you. So that isn't working. What if we offered our firstborn? Would that be good enough? What if we, what if we gave you our firstborn? 
would that do it? Because you're not happy with anything. Nothing we do seems to please you. And in fact, God would offer his firstborn for their sin. And he would offer his firstborn for our sin. But in this, Micah delivers the message. He delivers the judgment. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly might it also be translated to do justice. To live in a way that God has desired so that things are the way that they ought to be. With the caveat that we are also helping people to live as God desired. And to love mercy sounds an awful lot like the command to love your neighbor. That we are people who, who love others and work for the good around them. And even if they got themselves into a situation that they might even deserve, that we go out and we help them and we extend the forgiveness and the love that God has showed us to other people actively working for their good. To love mercy. And then to walk humbly with our God. And there is a rich history in the Old Testament, starting in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve walked side by side with God. And then with Abraham and Moses and Joshua and David and Elijah and a bunch of people I didn't name or forgot to name, that those people were walking with God. The word that Chris Smith often uses is to abide. I would use faithful obedience. That we are entering into God's presence and that we are staying with him constantly, seeking after him and constantly seeking to do what he has told us to do. And that we, on our journey, are going with God walking with him, seeking after what is right and seeking after what he has told us. And Israel thought that by, they, even though they had turned their hearts from them, from God, and even though they were not living for God, if they just went through the motions enough to offer sacrifices that God would be happy with what they were offering and that that ought to be enough. And what God says here is, yes, I gave you those for a reason. They have benefit and value, but they are meaningless without your heart. They are meaningless without you walking with me and them instructing you in my ways and teaching you to go with me. And I realize that as we talk about this and as we talk about not being able to make God happy and as we talk about justice, that 
For some people, there's this struggle with the church because it feels like the church tries to broadcast truth. But if we don't try to tell the truth of God, but we do not love mercy, and we do not seek the good of those who are hurting and struggling and suffering, that then the truth just comes off as cold and heartless. Because truth, Jesus came full of grace and truth. And we're bad at just trying to find the right mix of both and find the right mix of one, let alone to find the right mix of grace and truth. And yet we have been called to be people who do not just try to tell people what God has said, but our lives are distant from him. Rather, we are called to be people for whom our lives are, are an extension of how our walk with God is shaping us. And we go out and we influence and love and meet needs for people who are hurting and in a need of a loving relationship with God. Because what God desires is not for us to be good at trying to just figure out what the rules are and then do them. God desires our heart and that we go with him and walk with him and are constantly being shaped and made new in him. I think Paul continues this thought and David did a really good job of, of preaching on it last week in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. And so as I, as I took time and look at this, it seemed, it seems formulaic to me almost. And that, you know, if we will just, if we will just deny ourselves and deny what we want and use both our body and our will as to go all out for God, that then being made new in Christ, we will be able to discern his will. And yet I, I kept coming back to, you know, this, this time of, um, in December of 2000, well, actually it was November of 2011, I had graduated from Johnson Bible College and I was trying to decide, um, I'd sent out like way more resumes than I ever wanted to. And I was trying to decide, okay, I have this church in Mississippi who's, who's interested. I'm trying to decide, okay, they've offered me this ministry. God, I, I really want to do your will here. What, what should I do? Should I go? Should I not go? Like, 
what do you want from me here? And so I prayed about it, probably not as much as I should have, but I prayed about it for, for a few days, and I really, like, I couldn't tell, okay, God, like, is, is this your will? Is this, like, I know, I f- believe that you have called me into ministry. I believe that you have called me to go here. Okay, so is this what you want? Because I, if this isn't what you want, then I don't want to go. And if it is what you want, then I want to go. And I so ridiculously overcomplicated this decision for myself. And I, to this day, have no idea whether or not my going was God's will. And I went, and I have no idea whether or not it was God's will. Now, I can tell you that about four months after I got back that I met my wife. And so, you know, I like that part. I can tell you that I had some good times there and I learned a lot of lessons. I have scars that still haven't healed from my time there. I have things that I've had to wrestle with from my time there. And I still to this day cannot tell you whether or not God desired that I go. And so this week I was thinking about it because I I want to offer something that is that is both helpful, but also what, what God wants. And if you look at Romans 9, 9, 10, and 11, it is Paul doing this long essay on how God is both redeeming the nation of Israel and is bringing the Gentiles into salvation and how God is able to work in circumstances that seem less than ideal and how he has brought about his son and how we we are able to be saved and how he has not forgotten his people and how um, Romans 10 has the, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's, That's in Romans 10. And, and, I, and that is the lead up to this. And I always teach, try to teach teenagers, when you come to the word therefore, you have to go back. And so that is what goes back. And he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And when I first read this, and I've thought for a long time, okay, if you just give enough of yourself to God, then, you know, if you just do, do these steps, then you will know God's will. And the more I read this, the more I think what God desires is not for me to be able to be happy because I want to know that I'm making the right decision. What God desires is faithfulness and obedience. What God desires is that we 
in the picture of his redemption and our call to both love him and love others, to walk with him and to more and more go with him. And sometimes we're going to ask for God's will and we're not going to know it. But the best place to discern God's will is serving him faithfully, seeking after him every day, growing in prayer, growing in scripture, and growing in listening to the Spirit. And one of the things that we have to do to listen to the Spirit is make enough time and have enough stillness to actually hear what the Spirit is saying. But I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in trying to know, okay, what's God's will? God's will is that the whole world would know him and the people would be brought into reconciliation with him. And we are faithful and we seek him in everything we do. And sometimes we're going to, he is going to tell us exactly where to go and sometimes we're just gonna to have to trust that we're going to be faithful and obedient and that we're going to go even though we may not know exactly what God is doing. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you are a God who redeems, that you are a God who has left it, not left us on our own, that you are a God who is both intimately involved in what we are doing and also able to tell us exactly what your will is, but that you have grace for when we mess that up. God, may we be people who hunger and thirst for you. May we be people for, who actively work for the good of others. And may we be pre people who bring your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Thank <laughs> you.